Good morning. Hi, Betsy. <laughs> the school monitor is saying be quiet. <laughs> Good morning and welcome to Oasis Church. My name is Jim and I'm one of the elders here. Hi. As a church, our mission is to help people become and grow into mature disciples of Jesus Christ. We believe a disciple should seek God, belong to community, and serve the world. Seek, belong, and serve. We welcome any guests who are visiting us today, whether in person or online. If this is your first time here physically, we'd like to give you an Oasis coffee mug. If this is your first time joining us online, please let us know by filling out the connection card in the Connect With Us tab on our website, which is www.celebratethejourney.org. For those who are here, you can find that connection card on the center table and back. If you didn't receive your coffee mug the first time you came here, you can pick it up today. We just want you to have that. We don't ask for this information on the connection cards to pester you too much, but to provide, to provide you with some important information about Oasis in order to help you decide if this is where God wants you to attend. If you have any questions before you leave today, just ask anyone. If they don't know the answer, they will direct you to someone who does. The connection cards can also be used to sign up to receive a weekly email with a link to our newsletter, or you can text the keyword newsletter to the number on the screen. The newsletter is the best way to keep up to date on all that's going on at Oasis during the week and in the weeks to come. There's a prayer box on the back table to my right, it's under the lamp. You, if you have a prayer request that you don't feel comfortable talking to someone in person about, you can write it on that card and put it in the box that's on, on that table. Um, each week we have a dedicated team of uh, prayer warriors who will pray over these needs. If you would like to be contacted by somebody by phone, uh, please put that on the card and tell us you want to be contacted. Um, so provide your name and phone number and someone will reach out to you. For our folks online, you can click on the prayer page tab on our website and fill out a request there. Unless otherwise noted on the card or the uh, website, everything written on these cards will be held within the strictest of confidences. If you need prayer today, there will be both men and maybe some women up here today to uh, be available to pray with you after the service. If God has spoken to you about something you heard in the sermon today, or if you want or need prayer, all are welcome to pray with one of the team members. We gather together for community prayer here in the sanctuary on the first Tuesday of every month at 7 p.m. This is an opportunity to build community as well as experience the power and presence of God together. Our next community prayer is November 2nd. We believe supporting the local church through the giving of tithes and offerings are biblical truths, whether you're here in the sanctuary or sitting at home. If you are here with us, there is the joy box on the side wall there by the double doors where you can place your tithes and offerings. If you are at home watching us online, you can mail your tithes and offerings to the church office. The website has our address or go to the Give tab on the website and set up a one-time or recurring offering amount. Join us here 
October 10th, today, tonight, for a Sunday worship night. This is a chance to get together and worship the Lord like we were just doing um, through music and prayer. Ch child care will not be provided, but children are welcome to attend and sing and dance. That would be great. Otherwise, somewhere is Dennis. Wow, that was lame, really? Come on, let's get it. Come on, come on. Good morning. I have to get my lectern, my, is that what it's called? What's this called? A music stand, yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel, I feel, podium, yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel like, like I've been preaching since 2004. I feel like I'm a rookie again, but that's okay. All right, tonight, Tuesday night, or no, we had tonight, six o'clock here, we're worshiping. Now, we have a worship band coming here. Ben is traveling to the West Coast to do some West Coast stuff, and Charlie and a band of his is going to be here um, bringing music and, and worship. And so we're going to have some other people here, hopefully um, they're friends of the other band members tonight. Six o'clock, be here or be square and miss out. Um, also, you've been noticing gentlemen in the bathroom, ladies in the bathroom, a comedy night coming up for, it's a fundraiser for Turning Point. Uh, Turning Point is a ministry that we support here. It's a faith-based drug and alcohol rehabilitation uh, program. The comedy night is at a church in Bristol, but it's not Christian comedy. It's clean comedy because it's for family and kids, but it's not Christian. So if you'd like to buy a ticket, let me know. They're 20 bucks a piece, or we've got some VIP $40 tickets in children under 12, $10. So let me know. All right, I'm going to pray. We're going to get into it. Father, thank you for the love that you have for us. Woo! We can, we can truly, if, if we sang about it forever, God, we uh, across the world who have lifted your name in worship. And Lord, this morning I pray that the words of my mouth and the, um, the meditation of my heart would be acceptable in your sight, my rock and my redeemer. Amen. Uh, before I get going, um, I just want to uh, put a plug in for our children's ministries, children's church and nursery. We need help, and we need help um, sooner than later. Uh, we need another, at least another teaching team in children's church so we can um, have children's church each and every week. Uh, I'm going to have Bryce and Tim do a little bit of a more of a plug officially in the next few weeks. So um, pay attention to that. And um, if God has put on your heart to serve our children, please do so. If God hasn't put on your heart to serve our children, allow me to put it there for you. Go serve our children. Amen. All right. Um, 1995, I became a Christian November 5th. It was my 30th birthday. I could say I was reborn or born again right on my birthday. Pretty cool, huh? By 1970, uh, not 1970, yeah. <laughs> By 1996, um, I had finally gotten to the really the only one church I've ever attended besides Oasis, and that was Christ Community Church. And um, I started to kind of live this, this Christian stuff out. 
it was, I'm, I'm going to say somewhere in the summertime of 96 that my grandmother, Grandma Richie, got sick and she was in the hospital. Now, you got to understand about something about my grandma. My grandmother was a devout Catholic woman, like church every day if she could go every Sunday. All of us grandchildren had our own boxes of envelopes, and she would, on Sunday or Saturday night, she would take them out and put the quarters in, the kids and the dollars over here, and you got the pink ones, and you got the white ones, like you dropped a quarter, and you can pocket that quarter and still get away with lighting that candle. But that's why they had they had confession, so we can get those things off our chest. So my, my grandmother constantly prayed for us. She paid for my brother and I to attend Catholic schools. I attended a Catholic high school that they paid for. She prayed. She tried to get my grandfather to go to church. He wasn't having none of it. Um, her mother, my great-grandmother, Bocci, from Poland, right off the boat, um, another woman of tremendous, tremendous faith. And so this, this grandma, and, and she brought me up um, knowing Jesus. In fact, if you go into my office, I have her little statue that she had on her her um her dresser in her bedroom of Jesus. Now, of course, Mary's statue was about that tall, but Jesus was there. And, and so I have that statue. And so she goes in the hospital in 1996, and I get this idea that I'm going to go and I'm going to tell her that Jesus finally got a hold of me. That Like, I'm going to go tell her that all of those years of praying for me have actually worked. And so she's in the hospital, and, you know, she was kind of sick on and off, but, but nothing serious. And, um, you know, I was going to go one day, and I was like, uh, yeah, I got stuff to do. And then the next day and the next day, and finally, it was like probably a week before I finally kind of cleared my schedule or made it a priority. And I go and visit her in the hospital. I come up, and, heck, can I, um, I'm here to see Mary Ritchie, and they pull it up into the computer. Oh, she was discharged this afternoon. I'm like, perfect. That's great. So I go, and I call my dad, and, uh, hey, Grandma got discharged. I was just come to visit her you know where is she and he said Dennis grandma died this afternoon and I said I hesitated for an entire week now I, I don't I don't think it would have changed anything in her life it wasn't this oh you know but I felt that I needed to go tell her and I ran out of time I ran out of time because I procrastinated, I waited, I didn't prioritize God's story in my life enough to go see her when I should have. I missed it. Some of you um, have heard Yanel is in the hospital. Now, uh, Yan stayed safe in Thailand for a year and a half. And he came here and got, he brought his daughter. I know we're not supposed to talk about vaccine, but I'm gonna lay it out there. He, for those of you thinking, yep, he got vaccinated. And he got COVID after the vaccine. And it put him in the hospital. So here is this giant of a man in physical stature. And I would also say in, in spiritual stature, he gets shipwrecked on his first back in ministry journey to the United States. And so he's in the hospital and he's just miserable because he wants to get to it. He wants to get to ministry. And, and about seven or eight days into his hospital stay, um, I get a message from him on my phone that is, it sounds like he's drunk. And I'm like, what is this? This was last Sunday. 
And that evening, he was put into ICU because he came down with a bacterial infection. And by Monday, they gave him 24 hours to live. But we got to praying, and it turned around by Tuesday morning. And O2 levels went up. Uh, blood pressure came down. Medication started coming down throughout the week. They started to wean him off of the sedation because he's on he's on uh, either a ventilator or a respirator to help him breathe. Well, last night um, his O2 crashed, and now the ventilator is up to 100%. His O2 levels in his body are down about 80 to 82%. His kidneys are starting to fail, and the doctors have said. Um, you know, you probably want to start thinking of taking him off the the respirator because it's it's probably not going to make it. Now, we were in this place a week ago. But all of this to say, all of these sad stories to say is this. Life is not assured tomorrow. We have no assurance that tomorrow, I don't have an assurance only but the grace of God that tomorrow morning I'm going to wake up, I'm going to put my feet on the ground, I'm going to stand up and get on with my day. There's no ring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. That's in, in, the, in the scope of eternity, that's what our life is. It, it's a mist. Have you ever woken up like before the sun and, and you, you go out fishing or something like that and, and, and you're out on the water and the sun starts coming up and you get that little mist as the, as the warmth of the air comes down and, and the coldness of the water, you get that mist that starts to rise. And then before you know it, it's gone. That's our life. Aren't you glad you came to church today? <laughs> That's our life. Here one minute, gone the next. Like, like we, don't, we don't have time to, to, to worry about tomorrow because the scripture says tomorrow's got enough of worries. Let's deal with today. Because right now, this very moment, is the only thing that's assured. Like, I might not make it home today. That's just, I hope I do. I'm pretty sure I will. I got good tires. But who knows? Our life is but a mist. Like we're, we're here one minute and we're gone the next. Like, I remember my father and mother. My mother's still alive. My dad's, my dad's been dead for quite a while. I remember my grandparents, both sides. Nan and Giggs on my mom's side. Grandma and Grandpa on my dad's side. I kind of remember my great-grandmother, Grandma Yerke, on my mother's side, and Grandpa Alejandro, he was in the mafia, so he wasn't very nice, but I don't remember him too much. I remember him yelling a lot in Italian. Um, on the other side, I remember Bocce, my great-grandmother, but other than that, I don't remember anyone else. Like, like I don't remember great-great-grandparents or great-great-great-grandparents or great-uncles or great... I don't... See, that's what our life is like. Like, we got at best two generations to be remembered, and then we're gone. I, I mean, yes, history and, and, and um, you know, the, the online websites, you can search your ancestors. But reality is we're going to be forgotten in about two generations' time. Our life is like a mist. We're here, and then we're gone. We don't have time to waste. We don't have time to procrastinate. The psalmist would write this in Psalm 90. So teach us to number our days that we may get a heart of wisdom. 
he's praying God okay it's like we can't really number our days because we don't know the number of our days but what he's saying is God make sure that we remember that our days are numbered that we don't go on into eternity at least in this world in this what we call life yes there is eternal life for those who are in Christ Jesus but if you're not your eternity is spent elsewhere but during this time we have a number of days and what the writer is saying teach us to to understand that reality teach us help us to understand that tomorrow isn't guaranteed yesterday is is gone all there is is today and we got to get busy working we got to get busy getting this thing under wraps, getting our lives together, moving on, living for the kingdom, because that's the heart of wisdom, that we would put away all of this junk that the world throws at us, pushes on us, tells us we need or we should. We put all that aside and that we would understand our days are short and that by understanding that and ordering our life around that, we gain a heart of wisdom. Yannel came to America and never expected to be where he is today. But he is. So many other people have woken up in the morning only to meet the Lord by the evening. And they had no idea. This this is why last week when we were talking out of um, second peter this is why this this process of maturing is so so important make every effort to supplement your faith that trust you already have in god you would supplement it you would add to it virtue which is character and virtue knowledge knowledge of just what is good and what is wrong with this world and you would live on the good side with self-control that you will not be um you will not be entrapped by your passions but you would control your passions as paul said listen i, I, don't, I don't box like a boxer just throwing punches in the air but but i i beat my body so that it makes sure that that it follows what the Spirit says and not what the world says. So self-control, steadfastness. I am not going to give up. I will not give up. I will not take no for an answer. The, the Satan doesn't win. Darkness will not win because we have the light of Christ. Steadfast to believe in that. Nothing is going to move me from God wins. And then there's godliness and brotherly love and then or brotherly affection and then love. See, this is the importance of maturing because we don't have a lot of time here on this earth to make a difference, to live for the kingdom. This is why it's important that we as Christians mature. Now in verse 8, he would write this. For if these qualities, all of those things you just saw, this is just a, a, a repeat of last week, if we are building these things into our lives, it's going to keep us from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Teach us to number our days so that we are not ineffective for the things of Jesus Christ. Teach us to number our days so that we are not unfruitful. 8 to 31 says that we're to grow, become strong and powerful, and then we're to consecrate this world for the kingdom of God. We are to make holy the environment that God has put us in. 
and we're to subdue, which is that violent term of just bringing under God's control. We're to subdue in the physical, I believe, and also in the spiritual for the kingdom. And we're to live in dominion. We're to rule over creation. And then we can just break it down and get into all your individual callings. But that's, 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 the, that, that's the foundation of our calling right there, that we make this world holy, that we, that we intercept, that we influence. You know, all you hear about today online is the, the blue check influencers and the influencers. We're called to be an influence. And if we're not, we are missing the calling that God has put on us. and called us to a holy calling because of his grace and his purpose. Now, next slide. And then he continues on in chapter two. You then, my child, he's talking to Timothy. Now, Timothy is a pastor. He's a little bit, um, he seems to be a little bit of an introvert. He seems to be a little bit nervous about um, confronting people. But really, he's talking, Paul is talking, he's laying out this template for a person who follows Jesus, a, a Christian servant of the Lord, somebody who serves God, deliberately serving God here on this earth. And so he's writing really to all of us. He said, be strengthened by the grace that is in Jesus Christ. We don't get our strength from us. We don't get our strength from, you don't get your strength from me. We don't get our strength from our spouses or our, our parents or our kids. We get it from Jesus Christ himself. He is the giver of all grace. And he says, be strengthened in that grace. And what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men who are able to teach others also. All right, so... That word men in the Greek can mean men and women, so ladies don't think you got to pass. You see, my job here is to instill and impart something to you, and then you are to take it and then teach it to others. You take this book, and you read this book, and you learn this book. Amen. And then you take it and you teach it to others, entrusting the word of God to others. You see, it's, it's, it's not, it's, it's no longer a good excuse to say, well, yeah, I just, I don't, I don't really know that much Bible. You can get your own copy and read it. Amen. And you can know it and you can study it. There are more online tools right now to study the Bible than ever in the history of online tools to study the Bible. I can get my Bible, I can, I can be in my car, pull up an app on my phone, and have this, this deep-voiced South African dude read me the Bible. I don't like it because I can't understand. But you know what I mean? Like, there's no excuse anymore that we do not instill. See, this is what maturity means, that we're taking what we've learned and we're giving it to someone else. And we're telling that someone else, here's your job. As I give to you, you give to the next person, and so on, and so on, and so on. This is the spread of the gospel. This is, this is what maturity looks like, that we would entrust what we know to others, and that we would be learning and gaining grounds in the faith, and not just stagnant and coasting, because if you're coasting, you're going backwards. So entrust to faithful people who are able to teach, sharing in the suffering as a good soldier of Christ. No soldier gets entangled in civil, uh, civilian pursuits since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. So who enlisted us? Jesus. 
we're called to live in a way that pleases him and not those people around us. One of, one of the pitfalls of being a pastor is um, finances. And when you're, and it doesn't matter, you could be in a huge church and you just, you still have finance, finance things. And one of the, the, the things that we can get involved in or, or we, we get uh, distracted by is um, somebody who gives a lot, somebody who actually may tithe. And they say, you know, pastor, I, I really don't think we should go that way. We should, we should go that way. And it's very easy for pastor X to go, thousand bucks a month. I think we can go your way. No. We don't live to please others. We live to please God. We don't live, we don't live to make sure my job isn't to make you comfortable. And I used to be really good at making people uncomfortable, but then I got caught up in the whole, uh-oh, things are happening, people are leaving, uh, we got nah, I'm done with that. See, see, I, I want to honor God and I want to love you. And by loving you, I will honor God. And by honoring God, I will love you. But that doesn't mean that I'm just going to always be easy. That doesn't mean that I'm just going to hand you a feel-good sermon every single week. You see, because we're running out of time. Each one of us are running out of time. We have to number our days. We have to understand that there is work to do, and we cannot be lazy. We cannot be putting things off to the side. We cannot be trying to sprinkle a little bit of Jesus into our life. It's all or nothing, really. Jesus said, count the costs. Count the costs. There is a cost. And the, and, and the church has seemed to gravitate towards the world. And we see often, time and time again, full denominations embracing being browbeaten into conformity to what the world says it should be instead of what God says we should be. And so we're distracted. We're distracted by the news, CNN and Fox. We're distracted by, by uh, the noise. We're distracted by the protests. We're distracted by all of these things that we get involved. We're distracted by social media, and it grabs our attention, and it turns us into people that we're not because we're trying to do battle in the, in the physical. We're remembering when we're not remembering that our battle is not against flesh and blood. And so we get involved with all these things that are worthless and useless. And it pulls our attention away from our maturing in the Lord so that we can then take a stand and say, no, and this is why. Next verse, Sue. It, says, it goes on to say, an athlete is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. <laughs> How often we want to come to God, live for God on our own terms. How often is it that we create a God into my likeness? And this God doesn't demand anything from me. In fact, it's all skittles, mountaintops, and rainbows because my God loves me. My God does love me, but in that love, he will discipline me. Oh, yes, he will. 
and see we can't come to him, we can't serve him, we can't live for him by our own rules. We have to live for him the way he calls us to live in this book. And then we are to teach others how to live for him from this book. Not from Dennis's uh, rule book, not from anybody's rule book, but from the very word of God. We don't get to do this on our own, in our own strength, in our own creativity. We come to God, we live for God, we mature in Christ by his example, by his process, not by something we think is going to work out. We win the race by playing by the rules. And yeah, there are rules. I know we don't like rules, but there, 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 there are a lot of things we're called to do in this book. A lot. I'm not being a Pharisee. I'm just saying there's a lot of things in this book that we are called to and that we're not living into. Continue, please, Sue. Again, we're talking about what does this maturing process look like? Do your, best, do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handing, handling the word of truth. It gets back to the word of God. It gets back to this book that we would... We're not going to stay in that place of not having the answer. We're not going to stay in that place of being uh, weak in Scripture. We're not going to stay in that place of being weak in our faith or weak in, in proclaiming who Jesus is. But we're going to make steps to mature, to improve, to learn, to understand, to pray for the spirit of wisdom and revelation, as Paul talks about in Ephesians that we would rightly handle God's word. This is what maturity looks like, that you can speak from the Bible. I'm not talking you got chapter and verse all locked on. I mean, that's great if you do, but you can speak the truth of God in a way that people will receive the truth of God. And how do you know they've received the truth of God? Either they will, you will see them begin to melt, you'll see tears well up in their eyes, or they're going to get really angry because you have just frustrated them. That's what the word of God will do. And we need to handle that word correctly. There's no excuse. Baby Christian, I, I love new Christians because they carry this book with them all the time and they have those those weird little those Bible covered thingies and they stuff all papers in there and then when you get to be an older Christian you can't even find your Bible anymore we are called to handle the word of God correctly each one of us no excuse I don't care if you're young, old, you've been kicking it with Jesus forever, or you're new. We are called to handle the word of God with truth. Uh, the, handle the word of truth. But uh, avoid irreverent babble, for it, for it will lead people into more and more ungodliness, and their talk will spread like gangrene. People have left Oasis because of my theology. I am a Calvinian, not a Calvinist, not an Arminian. I'm like a good Baptist right in the middle, a Calvinian. I believe in the sovereignty of God as long as you don't ask me to explain it. I believe in election as long as you don't ask me to explain it. Oh, foreknowledge, I got that too. Yep, yep, yep. And young earth, old earth. Well, I'm an old earth guy. But the reality of it is, who cares? Who cares? 
Like old earth, young earth. Who cares? It's going away eventually. Jesus coming back. Sovereignty of God, yep. Are you a Cal are you a Calvinist in your sovereignty or are you a Arminian in your sovereignty? Who cares? God's sovereign. Like, like he can kill me right now. He can make me disappear. God is sovereign. And we get caught up in the church and we have separated ourselves through theology. Now, good theology is important. It really is. Orthodoxy is important. But Jesus is more important. Jesus is more important. And so what does a mature Christian look like? They don't get caught up in all those stupid arguments. We had a great one in my office on Friday with Ben and, and Mark, and we were talking about Holy Spirit and could Jesus sin and could he, and we were yelling and we were throwing around heretic and all that stuff, and then we hugged each other and we left. See, that's what it should be like, but it's not. If, I, if they were two other pastors from two different churches, that conversation would have ended with three pastors not talking to each other anymore because we allow ourselves to get all caught up in the stupidity of arguing over theology. Is Jesus coming? Is he here? Are we pre-millennial, post-millennial? I'm pan-millennial. It all pans out in the end. That's me. But, but, who, but who cares? Jesus is coming back. Are you ready? Oh, we say we're ready, but are we ready? Have, have I matured from this time last year? I'm not asking you. I don't really care what you say. But have I? God, have, am I moving in that direction? Am I maturing? Because guess what? Tomorrow, this might be my last sermon ever. Have I given you what God has put on my heart to give you? Have I ran the race? Have I finished the race well? I want to end well. Like I really do. Like I know that, that I hope my end is like decades away from now. But I hope that when I'm on my deathbed, I can look back and I have more praise reports than regrets. Time is running out. We have to mature. Next slide, Sid. So flee from youthful passions and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace. <laughs> youthful passions. What's a youthful passion? No, a Harley Davidson is not a youthful passion. It is an old man passion, which I am one, and so nah. I know what you were thinking. Arrogance. It's a youthful passion. It's all about me. Pride. Anger. I was an angry young man. I don't know why. Back in the day, I remember walking in Keene, New Hampshire. We were up there at, uh, at the college. I had a friend there, and I, and I walked into a minimart gas station just to get I don't even know what I was getting and I walked in and I walked up to the counter and the girl looked at me she stepped back she goes please don't hurt me and I'm like what now I got angry I'm like what are you talking about she goes you just look really mean and please don't hurt me I'm like uh, I just need a coke okay I guess I had that face I was an angry angry young man Put away those youthful passions. You notice how we get older, we start to relax a little bit more, start to chill out a little bit more. Things don't bug us the way they used to. Babies crying don't bother us anymore. Remember being in a restaurant as a young person, hearing the baby, wah, wah. you don't have any kids, wah, wah. shut that kid up. 
and now you're an adult like an old man, and I think, oh, I feel so bad for them. <laughs> Been there, done that, got the T-shirt. It's time that we grow up. We put away those, even, even the young people begin to put away those youthful passions and be maturing in Christ, that you would pursue righteousness, you would pursue faith, love, peace. Have, again, have nothing to do with foolish, ignorant controversies. You know that they breed quarrels. I had left Facebook for um, many, many months because I began to hate everyone. And as a pastor, you shouldn't hate everyone because that makes pastoring difficult. And, and I had to get a check in my spirit because uh, God had to deal with me on some stuff. And he did, and he did it graciously. Um, but Facebook, Instagram, all of those things, they really can be a very toxic place. And they're toxic because exactly this. There are foolish, ignorant controversies posted on those platforms that breed fights. And the maturing Christian doesn't take part in those things. I don't know a single person who read on Facebook, I should get the COVID vaccine and went, oh, it's on Facebook. I should go get the COVID vaccine. Or I've just read on Facebook that I shouldn't get the COVID vaccine. I'm not going to get, no, nobody lit. There's no doctors on Facebook prescribing stuff. There are no, uh, the politicians are just there to get themselves elected. Why do we, the church, get involved in stupid, ignorant, foolish controversies, which then begin to divide the church, the house itself, because this one doesn't like that. This one doesn't like that. This one voted for Trump. This one voted for Biden. We don't like Biden. And we don't, it's useless. It's time to put that crap aside and get on the journey with Jesus. We have to be maturing in our faith because time is running out. Time is not our friend. It goes quickly. I, I went to bed last night. I was 30. I woke up today. I'm 55. How does that happen? We don't have time for foolish controversies, ignorant quarrels. A Lord's servant, look at this, look at this. A Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome. It doesn't say a Lord's servant, you know, you should just kind of temper it down a little bit. Don't, don't get so excited over things. The Lord's servant, Gabs, the Lord's servant should, must not be quarrelsome. You, you, you're tracking with me? All right, good. Must not, but kind to everyone. Hey, Democrat, be kind to the Republican. Hey, Republican, be kind to the Democrat. Hey, anti-vaxxer, be kind to the vaxxer and vice versa. Hey, stop being selfish and focusing on yourself, but be filled with grace and love. Pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace, and allow your life to, to uh, produce the fruits of those things. We got to get off of this this. I was almost going to say a bad word, but ooh, that was, whoo, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> that would have been bad. <laughs> wow. Let me just reel that in for a second, make sure there's no more potty words in my brain. <laughs> okay, I'm better now. Where are we? <laughs> um, a Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, kind to everyone. Not to most, not to those people who agree with you, not to your friends, not to your family. Everyone. 
That means that person who just spouted off at you on Facebook, man, you love them. That person who you don't like their politics, yeah, you invite them out to dinner and have a great conversation with them. That person who aggravates you and frustrates you and they're mean to you, well, we're called to be kind to that person. That's what mature maturity looks like. Maturity doesn't argue and fights. Maturity takes authority and says no. Maturity presents the word of God and not my own opinion or my own thoughts. That's what maturity looks like. We have to get to that point. Able to teach, patiently enduring evil. That means when you're spoken against, you endure it. You don't have to respond. I know you want to. Like everything in me wants to just go point in the name of Jesus, but we don't because we are maturing. We should be maturing. We're able to teach. Take what you have learned from the revelation, the wisdom of God, and that you instill it into others. And they, they instill it, and it goes on and on. That's how we all became Christian. Somebody shared with somebody that shared with somebody who shared with somebody. They got on a boat. They came over here. They shared with somebody. They shared with somebody. And now you're sitting here. Correcting opponents with gentleness. Sometimes you just want to give a swift boot across the buttocks, and that's correction enough. But I'm pretty sure that's not gentle. See, I will guarantee that if, if you bring the Word of God out of the love in your heart to an opponent, you win. No matter if they accept it or not, you win. Because you presented them, not with your opinion, not with your idea, you presented them with truth. You are able to rightly handle the word of truth because you are maturing. Last one, Sue. In chapter 3, he writes this. But understand this. In the last days, there will, will come times of difficulty. Now, I'm not sure when the last days are coming, but this is what's going to happen. For people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents. I love that he throws that one in there. Um, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having the appearance of godliness. Uh-oh, is he talking to the church? Having the appearance of godliness, but denying its power. Avoid such people. Now, I'm not sure this is happening today, <laughs> but I will say that this is happening today. Amen. See, this is why we need mature Christians in the house because this is the world that we're facing. Look at some of these words. Abusive, arrogant, lovers of self. Do you see this in our society today? These things? Brutal, brutal. The world needs mature Christians to make a stand. A friend of mine, Pastor Brad Brandon, 
uh, I posted one of his things on, on Facebook. Uh, he was connected. He, he got connected in, um, in Nigeria, and he has a ministry in northern Nigeria. And um, he, can t he tells a lot of stories of how that happened. In fact, he will be at our next men's breakfast on uh, October 30th, Pastor Brad, and he's going to be sharing his experiences and, and how God got a hold of him. But on this last trip, um, now what he does is he goes, he's the only white guy like in northern Nigeria, and people freak out, like, how do you do that? And, and God just protects him. And um, you'll hear his story, guys, if you come on um, October 30th. But um, this last journey, um, he's in the north, and they're looking, they build schools, and um, they build schools in Muslim villages or close to Muslim villages, and um, the, the, the non-negotiable with these village elders who are Fulani, and they're Muslim, and they're very violent, violent people, uh, the one non-negotiable is they'll build the school, but they will teach their kids to read and write English by using the Bible. And these Muslims are saying, okay, because they want education for the children. And so they were, um, this past, last month, they were in northern Nigeria, and they were traveling with a group of pastors, Nigerian pastors, and they're running around, and they're trying to locate places for the school and, and possibly a well, and um, they found a place. And so they dropped the pastors off at their houses. They traveled down south a little bit. The next morning, um, Brad gets a call saying that one of his pastor friends some Muslim Fulani went into his house that evening when he got home while he was sleeping, killed him with machetes, burned his house, and burned the church next door. And I forgive me, I, I forgot the name that it's called in Islam, but it is a retribution killing because this pastor helped a woman leave Islam, become Christian, got her to one of their safe houses because once you become a Christian and you were a Muslim, at the very best, you are just castigated from the community. You can't get food, medical, you can just nothing. They don't want nothing to do with you. At the worst, they'll, they're going to kill you. But there's this retribution that had to take place because this pastor took this woman from Islam and brought her to Christ, and they went in and they killed him. Brad got the phone call. They go, they pick up his body. He is, he's hacked with the machete. He, he said he's never seen anything like it. That pastor woke up that morning, excited to see his friend, Pastor Brad, from America. And they traveled for days together. And in and, and that last day, he went to his house, probably filled with, with joy. They found this location for a school, and, and it's, it's, it's near a Christian village and a Fluani village. And they get along, the, the, two, the, the Christians and the Muslims, he says he's never seen it before. They get along, and they put a school right in the middle and, and drill a well, and the communities come together, and Jesus is proclaimed. I mean, how can not this pastor be filled? And then he goes to sleep, and that will be the last time he his head on the pillow it made the news it was it was in, in the nigerian news it, it leaked over here see tomorrow's not guaranteed even for the servants of god it's not guaranteed even for a pastor who is out fighting against the darkness like putting his life on the line each and every day for being a pastor he's not guaranteed tomorrow how much more should we be standing firm and growing in our faith? Because we are not guaranteed tomorrow. And that person you want to share Jesus with might not be here tomorrow. And you might be in the hospital tomorrow. 
knocking on death's door. I, I, I don't know. Like, we don't know these things. But God, teach us to number our days that we can get a heart of wisdom. I've gone really long, so I'm going to end it right there. So, Father, I pray that you would just, uh, you, would, you would take take our spirit, connect, download, direct tunnel connection to you, Holy Spirit, and that you would make it our one desire to mature in Christ so that we can be men and women of light and we will push back the darkness. Pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. 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 I love you guys. We'll see you next week.